Helping us to make the best use of the precious time we've been given, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. A great awakening awaits us that are seeking the things of the Lord. An awakening to things spiritual. You know, I find that if you're not careful, it's very easy to spend our life. Just spend it. Just spend this time. Spend that time. I'm kind of motivated by the things of this world. And all kinds of things come to take our time. We just spend it and it's gone. There's nothing there for it. But I think the Lord would have us not just to spend our time on temporary things, but to invest our time on spiritual, eternal things. This is amazing grace. It's been said you are either spending your time or you're wasting it, but you ought to be investing it while there's time to do so. No doubt you want to invest your time, but in what? Hopefully you say something that will last forever. The Word of God and the souls of men and women. Today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor will encourage us in that direction. Hello, so glad you've joined us as we embark on a new study in what you could argue is the most important book of the Bible, the book of Romans. For it's been used by God to bring salvation to unbelievers and a great awakening among believers. Here now to get things started by making the case for this book of books is Pastor Ed. Well, when you think of important documents, for instance, our, our nation, Important documents for our nation. You have the Constitution, that's pretty important. The Declaration of Independence, the, the Bill of Rights. You, you have all sorts of documents that, that the Emancipation Proclamations. There's some really important pieces of paper that contain very important information for our nation. Now, I, when I was growing up, maybe you too, under our TV was a Bible about this big and this thick, and it had a little 3D picture of the cross on front. You know what that Bible was? It had all the important documents for my family. So if we were looking for anything important, birth certificates, social security cards, whatever it might be, in there between the roses and the other things in there, we knew that the Bible had those documents, important documents. Now, I'm sure that some of you, many of you, have fireproof safes in your house. And what you've said with a fireproof safe was this, you know, if I lose everything, I don't want to lose everything, Everything, but if I lose everything, what's in this safe is very, very important to me. And so in that safe, I'm sure you have documents that can't be replaced or would be very difficult to replace because they're important to you. Now, it's been said that the book of Romans is quite possibly the most important document that has ever been written. It's that powerful of a book. When you look at the book of Romans and you begin to see the power that's unleashed as we read and study through it, one of the things you're going to learn is the liberty and freedom you have in Jesus Christ. Some of you are going to be freed from things that you don't even know you're in bondage to yet. That's how powerful the book is. You've been raised in a certain way. You might be doing some ritual, some routine religiously, and you're like, I love Jesus. This is what my life is all about. And you're studying through the book of Romans. You're like, wait a minute. It doesn't square up with the scriptures. And you're going to be freed from it because Romans is filled 
with freedom and liberty. And I believe God will use it in our lives in a mighty way as a church. All throughout the book of Romans, we're going to learn about the grace of God, the goodness of God, his faithfulness, his power. You know, maybe your marriage is a wreck right now, but in Jesus Christ, he can save your marriage. You know, maybe your kids are running all over the place and you're like, oh Lord, what about my kids? Well, I'll tell you what, that's the person to go to because he can change your kids' hearts. You know, we're always trying to pull kids back, you know, we're always trying to do it physically. And I think it's good to be in a good environment, but I'll tell you what, it's going to take Jesus to touch their hearts. The Holy Spirit ministering to them. Book of Romans is going to bring so much to light that we can trust in God. And it will infuse grace and love and goodness and God's faithfulness in your homes and in your marriages. It'll change the way you look at things. It'll bring you to a place where you're like, wow, Lord, is this the truth? And he says, yes, it's the truth. I've reserved it for all of eternity right there in the book of Romans. And when you study through church history, you find that when things were really going downward and downhill quickly, when you find that there was great spiritual error, great apathy, laziness beginning in the church, that God seems to have used the book of Romans to turn things around. Great men of God throughout church history, great men and women of God have been touched profoundly by this little letter. The book of Romans brings changes not only then, but also now. You know, one of the guys that the book of Romans really touched was a man by the name of Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a devout Roman Catholic, and he loved the Lord God with all his heart, soul, and mind. And he went through with everything that the church told him to do. He was a student of the word. He loved the word. And, and he was going through, but he wrestled at times with what he was going. He wrestled with the religious nature. He wrestled with the rituals. And on a pilgrimage to Rome, the Lord really apprehended his heart. He came to the sacred stairs there that by tradition, Roman Catholicism says that these were the very place where Jesus stood before Pilate. And they're used today and venerated today for Catholics to go to Rome and go up the stairs one at a time on your knees or prostrate, crawling up the stairs one at a time, kissing each stair before you move up and doing the rosary. And that would be a constant. So he goes to Rome and he starts this process. And, and if you've never seen what this looks like, let me tell you, the movie Luther does a phenomenal job showing what this looks like. I mean, it's powerful. It is radical, this moment in Luther's life. So he's going up the stairs one step at a time, going through the rosary, seeking the things of God. And as he's going up about halfway, he hears a still, small voice. And he hears that still, small voice say, the just shall live by faith. And he tries to shake it off. So no, no, I'm going up the stairs. I'm here worshiping you, God. And he's going up. He goes to the next stair. He kisses it. He does the rosary. And this voice, it becomes stronger. The just shall live by faith. You're open to Romans. Look at chapter 1, verse 17. Three times in the New Testament this phrase is used. It actually comes to us from the Old Testament, from Habakkuk. And we'll spend a whole Sunday just looking at verse 17. But for now, God is whispering his word into the ear of his servant, Martin Luther. In verse 17, it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so another stare, another kiss, another rosary, and the voice comes. It becomes louder and louder until finally Luther jumps to his feet. He leaves the stairs and he goes and begins a verse-by-verse -verse study in the book of Romans. And church history has never been the same. Romans so radically trans transform the heart and the mind of Martin Luther that because of Martin Luther he's the reason why you aren't celebrating today on Sunday morning in a mass. He's the reason why you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ coming to the Father not through man but through Jesus himself. What flipped this man to the point where he now understands what God's word has to say? The book of Romans illuminated by the Holy Spirit. 
so deeply was he convicted of the, that the, he left the empty teachings of Roman Catholicism and rushed in to serve the Lord God. You know, it's not just Martin Luther. All throughout history, the book of Romans has been used to change people's lives, to bring what I call a revolution in their lives. When you just let the book of Romans, just let the word of God speak for itself. It's been called, Romans has, the profoundest book in existence by some. The great early preacher Chrysostom said this. He had it read to him. It was so important to him that he said, I want it read to me twice every week. When you look at the man, not only with Chrysostom, but when you look at Luther, he wrote this in his, in his famous preface to the commentary on the Romans. This epistle is the chief book of the New Testament, the purest gospel. It deserves not only to be known word for word by every Christian, but to be the subject of his meditation day by day, the daily bread of his soul. Melanchthon, another great leader in the early church, he said in order to make it more perfectly his own, he copied it twice with his own hand. It's the book which he expounded most frequently in his lectures. You know, the English version of the Bible that you now hold in your hands has everything to do with the power of the book of Romans and a man by the name of William Tyndale. It so affected him to put the Bible into everyone's hands that he said you can't read it too much. It's the principal and most excellent part of the New Testament. But you know it doesn't stop there. Are you familiar with a man by the name of John Wesley? Founder of the Methodist Church? Do you know that for many years in his life he preached the gospel and wasn't even a believer? He was preaching the gospel as a profession. And it said as John Wesley was preaching the gospel that he, he was frustrated. He was touched by Romans. He was a spiritually dead preacher, preaching unlived truths. And he spent a large part of his life evangelizing America, but didn't have one convert because he wasn't saved. And he wrote this, I went to save the Indians, but who will save me? And he opens up the book of Romans. And God illuminates the book of Romans in his life that it so changed his life that he began a whole brand new movement of the church. We know it today as the Great Awakening. But first, he was awakened to the truths, and then God used him as a vessel to bring the truth in a movement among the earth that hasn't been seen since. Wesley writes in his own journal, In the evening I went very unwilling to a society, which is a little Bible study. While the reader was describing the change with God works in his heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. A great awakening. You know, in Romans there are two things we're going to see consistently. On the one hand, we're going to see great salvation. Because the book of Romans is a great book to share in leading someone to Jesus Christ. Great salvation for unbelievers. And on the other hand, I believe we're going to see a great awakening among believers. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that everyone here is doing just fine with the things of the Lord. So, oh, we teach the word here. We love Jesus Christ. So everybody must be as mature and as strong as they could be or should be. Now, I realize that some of you are here to go through the book of Romans so that there might be a great awakening in your life that perhaps you've strayed away from the basics of your faith or you've strayed away from zeal, you've strayed away from the boldness that you once had, and God is going to bring a great awakening in your life. Flip over to Romans chapter 13. Let me show you. The book of Romans speaks of both. It speaks of a great salvation. It speaks of a great awakening. So for us as believers, some of us need to be waking up. Look at Romans chapter 13. Great awakening. I mean, these are strong words. It's probably going to take us a couple years to get here. But we'll get here in Romans 13, and we'll look at this in depth. But notice, and do this knowing the time. So Paul's getting into action here. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He says, wake up. Stop sleeping spiritually. 
It's high time knowing the days in which we live. I pray as a church that we are awake to the things that are going on in our world. Depravity in our world like we have never seen before. Things that are going on in the Middle East with Israel, with radical Islam. You have things going on with Iran and I mean, all over the place. And our eyes, they need to be wide open to see that our salvation is nearer now than it ever has been before. The coming of the Lord is soon and near. And it's time to wake up. What he says in verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in licentiousness and lewdness, not in strife and envy. But verse 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. A great awakening awaits us that are seeking the things of the Lord. An awakening to things spiritual. You know, I find that if you're not careful, it's very easy to spend our life. Just spend it. Just spend this time. Spend that time. I'm kind of motivated by the things of this world. And all kinds of things come to take our time. We just spend it and it's gone. There's nothing there for it. But I think the Lord would have us not just to spend our time on temporary things, but to invest our time on spiritual, eternal things. Things that will last. The Bible says there's only two things that will go from here to eternity. The souls of men and the word of God. And that's what God, I believe, he says, wake up, guys. There are people all throughout your city. I'm telling you, the church at large is just falling asleep. It's just falling asleep at the wheel. No longer when the church comes to town do the leaders of the city say, you know what? The church is here. Aren't these the people that turn the world upside down? But now it's just kind of a yawn. Oh, another church, another group of people. And I believe that's the word of the Lord to us today, to wake up. To, to have our hearts so burning and motivated by the passion for him that when we do come, man, people are like, whoa, wait a minute. These guys turn the world upside down. Everywhere they go, they change things. Everywhere they go, people's lives are changed. Well, great awakening. We can see that in this book, but also great salvation. It's a great time to see the Lord do a work of salvation. Look at verse 16, chapter 1. It's a great time to see the Lord use Romans to bring great salvation in our church. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul, he writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So we're going to see great salvation. The gospel is the power of God. So the power of God will be unleashed through the teaching of his word, especially in the book of Romans, to the point where God is going to use it to illuminate wonderful truths and so many people are going to be freed from sin and darkness and be translated into the kingdom of light. As we study this book and as we go out with it in our hands and in our lives to those that are around us. And you go, wait a minute, Pastor Ed, I'm not an evangelist. I don't have the gift of evangelism. That's what you're here for, right? That's why you're up there. You're supposed to tell people about Jesus. I'll tell people about you telling people about Jesus, but I'm not sure. I want to tell people about Jesus. I don't have the gift of evangelism. Let me just tell you this. You don't need the gift of evangelism. You are an evangelist. <laughs> you are a witness to the things that God has done in your life. And you can take anything in this world. You could take anything, any, you could be talking about the Broncos, you could talk about the Rockies, you could talk about the Nuggets, you could talk about NASCAR. It doesn't matter what you want to talk about. Knitting, scrapbooking, it doesn't matter. You can talk about anything and take them to the cross. You know, you talk about scrapbooking, you cut this and this picture, this page, you know, whatever you guys talk about scrapbooking, I'm not sure. Got new scissors, you know, whatever it might be. And as you're doing that, you're like, here's what you do. You say, so what do you think about sin? <laughs> That'll change things, won't it? What do you think about sin? Wait a minute. Talk about scissors and paper. What about sin? What? So with their answer, that's going to help you. 
to begin, you'll see where they're, well, what about sin? Well, and they might say, well, what about sin? So well, sin's horrible, it's terrible, it's destroyed humanity, it's, it's brought death and destruction and fear and like, yeah, like, no, I, I see the news, I watch it too, I understand. And then you bring about and you say, what about your sin? What about my sin? They can go one of two ways with that, can't they? Go, I don't have sin in my life, I'm a good person. You could take them through, that's good that you're a good person. Or they could say, you know, I have been wrestling with something. I, I know it's sin. I've been wrestling with something myself. And it's been a long time since I've been in church. And you, you don't know which way they're going to go. Either way, it doesn't matter. You say then, you take them to the place where you go, okay, what about heaven? You think you're going to go to heaven? Of course, I'm going to go to heaven. Even though they have sin, of course. It's no big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm American. I'm going to go to heaven. We're going. <laughs> People think that. It's true. They think that. They go, what does he think it takes to get into heaven? Does it take being a good person? And they might say, yeah. And you say, well... Actually, the Bible says that you have to be perfect. Are you perfect? Oh, yeah, I'm perfect. Oh, I'm sure you are. And then if they think they're perfect, you take them just very easily. Take them to the Ten Commandments. Start going through them. Have you ever stolen anything? Lied? Ever have any false gods? And they might say, well, you know, when I was six, when I was six, I stole a candy bar from King Supers. And you go, well, there you're not perfect. You're a thief. Well, I'm not a thief anymore. No, you, you stole. One mistake means you're not perfect. Perfect means no mistakes, no sin. One mistake means you, you have a problem. And you can see you were talking about scrapbooking, but now you're talking about the things of the Lord, right? It's very easy. And now as you go through, you're taking them. Now it's not just about sin, it's about their sin. Now it's not just about perfection over there, it's about their perfection. And you go, well, now what are you going to do about the fact that you're not perfect? How are you going to get into heaven? What can you do? And they'll probably say something like, I don't know. That's your open door. Well, let me tell you. God, he so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, knowing that you're not perfect and that sin has destroyed you. He's given his only begotten son to live a life, to die a sinless death, and to rise up again the third day so that your life might be changed. And if you place your faith in him, he promises to forgive you of your sin, give you a perfection that's not yours, but his son, Jesus Christ. And in that perfection, being in Jesus, that will be your entrance into heaven. And you think you're done there, right? Because they're like, Wow. If you've gotten this far, you're right very, very close. You don't end there. You know what you do? You ask them flat out, would you like to receive Jesus Christ into your life right now? And then a lot of people go, what if they say yes? Then you pray with them. <laughs> the book of Romans is going to stir your heart, not only to see the holiness of God, but also to see that God wants to use you to bring salvation to those people in your life. It is not that difficult. I think the enemy's done a good job of lying to us and making us afraid and cowering in fear when in the reality is, think of the people, think of the people that came to you and shared with you about Jesus Christ. I bet you they were afraid. What will he do? Will he slam the door on me? Will he hang up on me? Will he no longer? But they didn't care. They made the phone call anyway. They came over to your house anyway. They invited you to church anyway. Why? Because they knew there was a power in the gospel that can break through any barrier and bring you and bring me to a place of repentance. You realize that repentance is necessary for both the great salvation and the great awakening. You know, as Christians, if we are to come to a place of a great awakening, we've got to repent. Some things have maybe slipped into our lives or we've allowed them into our lives that have taken us to a place of apathy to a place of laziness. And now we're not excited about the things of God. It's no big deal. You need to repent. You know, maybe you're in a place where you're allowing things into your life. You're, you're seeing things on your computer screen that you shouldn't be seeing. You need to repent. You're hanging out at places and doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. It's sin. You need to repent. 
You're at a place where, you know, I, I'm okay with salvation. I really don't need to do anything. I'm saved. And, and you know, if God's going to save other people, he doesn't need to use me. It's sin. You need to repent. Maybe you're so headstrong and you're, you just got your mind made up and everybody's wrong and you're right. You know what? You need to repent. That's not the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is to be open and flexible and humble and simply loving people into the kingdom. So for a great awakening, repentance. Salvation, repentance. And don't be afraid of the word. It just simply means to turn from your sin and leave it. And in its place, you turn to God. In its place, you receive Jesus Christ. And the promise of the scriptures is that all who will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we can see that in this wonderful book. You know, and when you start reading through church history about revival after revival, you know what you find? God used the book of Romans to start revival. So let's take the Great Awakening. You know, a lot of times we'll think of revivals as huge numbers. Millions of people got saved. But you know, revivals don't happen in millions. They happen in ones. It starts with one. A personal revival. It's not, oh, it's a great awakening for all the millions that got saved. No, rather, it's a great awakening in John Wesley. And he goes and shares it with another. And it's a great awakening there. And two becomes four. And four becomes eight. And eight. And you see that the Lord's working on all of us individually. And that's what I believe we'll see. It's awesome. So maybe the church falls into spiritual error or laziness or apathy. God uses Romans to bring fresh life. And what a time in our lives today to be used to spread the gospel and to love people into the kingdom, to be vessels of his grace and of his mercy and of his forgiveness. And I believe in all my heart that God is doing something very, very special within Calvary Chapel. Just what God has done in our church and what he's continuing to do, having his hand upon us and using us, it's awesome. He's raised up a fellowship to worship him. He's raised up a fellowship to reach out. He's raised up a fellowship, a group of people one by one to be used in a mighty way. Isn't it exciting to be a tool in God's hands and be used in a mighty way? We're just getting started in our study of this wonderful book of Romans here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll share the rest of Ed's introduction on Monday. And if you missed any portion of today's message, you can simply go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. That, too, is available when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed super easy on your mobile devices. Download the free app today by searching for Calvary Church Aurora. Pastor Ed, it is hard to believe it's November already. And with a new month comes a new resource we want to get into our listeners' hands. What do we have to offer them? This week's Pick of the Month is an amazing book by Pastor Greg Laurie, simply entitled Jesus Revolution. And the subtitle is How God Transformed an Unlikely Generation and How He Can Do It Again Today. Now, you know what? Larry, I'm the pastor of a Calvary Chapel here in Aurora, Colorado. I'm a part of this movement. I'm a part of this segment of the Jesus movement uh, of God pouring out His Spirit on a group of people in Orange County, and it spread like wildfire all over the United States, all over the world. But I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I didn't get saved till the early 90s, and God was pouring out His Spirit in this new way in the late 60s. Uh, early 70s. I wasn't there. Uh, in many ways, the Jesus movement was starting. I wasn't even born yet. So I love reading firsthand accounts. I love talking to the guys that were there, where they can give me firsthand account 
Uh, there's a pastor here in Colorado, Pastor Tom Stipe, who was a big part of uh, the ministry at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. He's one of the staff evangelists and and one of the guys that God used in an incredible way to do amazing things. And I love talking to him. Uh, it's it's like being there yourself, and that's what this book is because it's not just looking at the past, but it's looking forward to what God is doing now and what He can do. I think sometimes we get stuck in the past. And we're excited about what happened before, but we forget that God is working now. He's always in the forever now. And I love that about Pastor Greg, where he recognizes, man, God has done, has done, has done, has done, and he's doing now. And until he returns, he will do. And if you're looking to be stirred up in evangelism, in ministry, you're looking to be stirred up in, a, in the simplicity. Sometimes Christianity has gotten so complicated, but to come back to simplicity of loving Jesus and abiding in Him, this is the book for you. Jesus Revolution, get a copy. I hope you can support the ministry, but even if you can't, pick up the book somewhere, get it into your spiritual library, get it into your life, and begin to follow through with the principles. I mean, really, just be enamored with the Lord and the great work that He's doing. That's Jesus Revolution by Greg Laurie. And we'd love to send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Call 877-30-GRACE and we can help you with that. That's 877-30-GRACE. We'll come back to Romans next time and finish up Pastor Ed Taylor's introduction to the epistle. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.